some of the keys to being happy. Over the last two weeks, we've looked at two. The first one we, we talked about was adjustment. If you're going to be happy, you've got to learn to adjust because life changes. Nothing goes on the way that it, that it always has. Uh, Paul said, I had this thorn in my flesh and I asked three times for the Lord to remove the thorn and He didn't. So what did He do? He adjusted. He realized that the grace of God was enough to help him through that circumstance. And that was part of his secret to happiness. And then last week we talked about Jesus' words about uh, being useful. He says um, six times in the New Testament, Jesus says these words, He that will find his life shall lose it. And he that will lose his life for my sake will find it. So if you want to find your life, you lose it in serving others. That's usefulness. And that's the second key to, to happiness. This morning, I want to talk about a third one. And I'm going to start by talking about an umpire. Dave is an umpire in a recreational basketball, a baseball league. And he was on his way to a game. He was pulled over for uh, driving a little too fast. And he tried to talk the officer out of giving him a ticket. You know, he told him, you know, he was, he was late, he needed to get there, he was worried about his insurance going up, and normally I'm a, you know, all this stuff. You try to tell the, the policeman to get out of it. And the officer's reply was, if you don't like the ticket, you can take the matter to court. And he wrote him the ticket. A couple of weeks later, Dave was at the game, he was ready to umpire, and the first batter comes up, and guess who it is? <laughs> it's the policeman that gave him the ticket. And uh, they looked at each other, and they recognized one another, and the policeman says, well, how did things with the ticket go? And Dave's reply was, you better swing at everything. <laughs> He didn't understand forgiveness. <laughs> and forgiveness is the third key that we're going to talk about today. And when you try to talk about forgiveness and learning how to forgive others, we hear people who say, well, you know, I would like to forgive you, but I just can't forget what you've done. I can't forget the, the feelings that I have. And how can I forgive if I can't forget or the things that you did were so bad, or the things that they did were so bad, usually we don't say that to the people we need to forgive, we say it to somebody else, I'll never be able to forgive them for that. And so I want us to talk about that for just a minute, how the Bible describes forgiveness, and how it holds such a highly significant place in the kingdom of God, and then how important it is for us to practice forgiveness and then I'm going to be real practical for, for a minute and just say, this is how you forgive. This is the way you forgive people. So what does the Bible say about it? When Moses asked God to see his glory, remember he says, he says, God, show me your glory. And when God showed Moses his glory, forgiveness is one of the key acts that God shows to Moses 
as he's talking about his glory. And, and uh, he's, he's talking about himself as he's showing Moses his glory. He says, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving their iniquity and their transgressions and their sin. So, so one of the things, you know, we talk about the glory of God. One of the things that, that makes God glorious is his forgiveness and his ability and his willingness to forgive us. It's an essential part of the atonement of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And it's talking about the blood of bull and goats and how that's not sufficient. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that forgives us of our sin. In the Lord's Prayer, you read the Lord's Prayer, you memorize the Lord's Prayer, you see the Lord's Prayer written out. One of the things is, is forgiveness. You know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are debtors, or forgive us our sin, trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's part of the Lord's, the Lord's Prayer, and you realize that. But you realize that forgiveness is the only part of the Lord's Prayer, prayer where Jesus adds an explanation. He goes on then at the end, and, and he says, well, we'll look at that in a second. I'll get to it in a second. Forgive me for getting that mixed up. Forgiveness is the ground of the new covenant that we have in Christ. In Jeremiah and then later in Hebrew, he tells us that he's going to write this new covenant on his heart, on our hearts. And he says, for I will be merciful in their wrongdoing, and I will never again remember their sins. So it's a, it's a part of the new covenant in the, in the blessings we have in Jesus Christ. And it's what Jesus prayed for his persecutors. It's what Stephen prayed for his persecutors in Acts 7. It says about Stephen, he fell on his knees and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them. And with the folks at the cross, Jesus says, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, forgiveness is a, is a part, is an essential part. It's part of our promise. We're called to, to repent and be baptized. And when Jesus explains all that, he, that he's going to pour out his life and his, to death, he says to us, he says to his disciples, the purpose of this is forgiveness. And when we take the Lord's Supper and he takes the cup, he says it's, it's for the forgiveness of sins. And so it's a key issue. And Jesus said to us that the grand message that we're to preach to the world in Luke when, he, when he's given that commission is forgiveness. Here's what he said. This is what was written. The Messiah would suffer and raise from the third, raise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You know, so so forgiveness is, is part of the message. And and I go through all of that just to say this. Forgiveness isn't a sideline. It's a critical part of who we are as Christians. It's a critical part of who we are as followers of Christ. And it's important. Here, here's, what, 
Here's what Jesus said at the Lord at the end of the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. Now, does that sound pretty important to you that we learn how to, to, to forgive others? In some way, and, and I don't know exactly how all that works. You know, I, I realize that salvation is by grace through faith, and that's, that's it. But somehow or another, our willingness to forgive others is tied in to that. In Matthew 18, it says, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Jesus said, I tell you, not seven. Jesus said to him, 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he had no way to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the slave fell down face, fest down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. And the master of that slave had compassion and released him and forgave him the loan. But then that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay me what you owe. At this, the fellow slave fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. On the contrary, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other slaves saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then, after he had summoned him, the master said, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And his master got angry and handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. Now listen to this. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. Now those are Jesus' words. You get mad at me all you want, but that's what Jesus said. You better forgive. You better learn how to forgive. And if you want to be happy, you need to learn to forgive. Not just learn to forgive. You need to practice forgiveness. I read about a Turkish officer who uh, raided and looted an Armenian home and he killed the parents and then gave the daughters to the soldiers and he kept the eldest daughter for himself. And sometime later she escaped and when she escaped she went to school, she trained to be a nurse and as time passed, she found herself nursing in a ward full of Turkish officers. And one night, by the light of a lantern, she saw the face of the officer who had killed her family and abused her. He was so gravely ill that without, 
nursing care, he was going to die. He wasn't going to make the night. She cared for him. The days passed, and he recovered. One day, the doctor stood by the bed. She was standing there by the doctor, and the doctor said to the Turkish officer, if it wasn't for her devotion to you, you would be dead. She kept you alive. He looked up at her and he said, we've met before, haven't we? She said, yes, we've met before. He says, so why did you save me? Why didn't you kill me? And here's what she said. She replied, I am a follower of him who said, love your enemies. She learned Jesus' words. Forgive those. And, and, and her thought was, how can we claim to follow Christ and not be able to forgive those who have trespassed against us? Greg Easterbrook, in his book, The Progress Paradox, quotes several recent studies about forgiveness. And uh, this is why I add it to one of the things about happiness. This is why I think it's a key to Christian happiness to be able to forgive. He says, being a forgiving person is essential to leaving a happy life. I mean, it just says it right out there in some of the stuff he studied. When someone wrongs you, feeling fury or experiencing hate only causes your life to descend into unhappiness and resentment then you're the one who suffers, not the person you're angry at. You know, studies show that over and over again. When you don't forgive, you suffer, not the person that you're angry with. The second one he found, people who do not forgive the wrongs committed against them tend to have negative indicators of well-being. They're stressed, they're depressed, they have cardiovascular disease, and they're hurting themselves by failing to forgive. Third one, people who do not forgive have higher rates of divorce, which reduces their well-being and their happiness. And this is true because married men and women consistently do better on health barometers, especially longevity and incident of depression than do the separated, the divorced, or the never wed. In other words, stay married, you'll be happier and healthier. No matter what you're thinking. The next one he says, people who forgive as a group have fewer episodes of clinical depression and better social support, that means support from friends and family, than those who are unforgiving. Forgiving people are better at making friends than those who carry grudges. So you're happier. Older people are more likely to forgive than young people. This suggests that the ability to forgive is a form of wisdom learned during the passage through life. Everyone knows that teenagers and young adults are on average more hot-headed than the mature. This study shows that hot-headedness declines not because people lose the passion of youth, but because they require the wisdom of experience. Mm -hmm. 
And then the last one. Older people are more likely to forgive than the young, and older people who forgive have better overall health factors, health indicators than those who nurse acrimony. The benefits of forgiveness seem to benefit with age. An older person with a forgiving attitude may be rewarded with fewer stress disorders, longer life, and other health benefits. All of those are things that make us happy people. I think that's why it's a key to happiness. You want to be happy? You need to learn to forgive. You need to learn how to forgive. And you need to practice forgiving. But what about the things we mentioned at the first? What if I just can't feel like I can forgive you? Or what if, what if I just can't forget what you've done? Or what if what's happened to me is so great and the person doesn't forgive, you know, that doesn't ask to be sorry? How can I forgive somebody that's not sorry for what they've done? How, how, how can we do that? Well, as I read the scripture, those aren't requirements for forgiveness. So the simple answer is this. We forgive others like God forgives us. And that's what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. And that what uh, we read with the master and the slaves, we forgive others as God forgives us. So how does God forgive? Well, he makes us some promises. They, they don't have anything to do with feelings. And uh, all of them overpower our memory. Here, here's what he says. In Isaiah, he promises to forgive our sins and not remember them anymore. He says, that was what it says. This is the quote. It is I who sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. God says, I forgive you. And, and why am I going to forgive you? It's for my sake. It's for my sake I'm going to forgive you. And I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. God in his omniscience knows everything. From beginning to end. He knows the, the end from the beginning. And when he says, I will not remember them. He's not saying literally, he can't recall what you did. What he's saying is, I'm choosing to forget about them. I'm choosing not to think about them anymore. I'm going to remove them from you. Psalm 103 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So he's saying, I will not hold them against you, and I won't even keep a record of them. And so that's how God forgives. He, he tears down the walls that our sins have built, he opens up a way for us to have a new relationship with him. And I think that's exactly what we need to do to those we need to forgive, as the Lord forgives us. We need to learn how to release the person from the penalty. And what's the penalty? Well, the penalty of your sin against me is, I'm not going to respond to you. I'm not going to like you. I'm not going to care for you. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to be silent around you. And so we, we reduce them. We, we take away the penalty. And we say, there is no penalty any longer. You don't have to be separated from men. I will not hold wrongs against you. I will not think about those wrongs. 
Doesn't mean I won't forget them, but I won't think about them anymore. And I won't punish you for them. That, that's how forgiveness works. The uh, Ken Sandy and the Peacekeepers uh, movement. Uh, he's a, a man in uh, Montana that has runs this thing called Peacekeepers and uh, teaches uh, basically pastors and church leaders how to, to bring peace in their church. And uh, he says when, when you're going to forgive somebody, there, there's four promises that you make to the person you're going to forgive. Now what we said, that God makes promises to us. He says there's four promises we make to a person we want to forgive. The first is, I will not dwell on this anymore. I, I will not dwell on it. The second one, I will never bring this up again to use against you. Ever. I don't carry a gunny sack of problems around with me that I pull them out one at a time and say, I'm going to beat you with this one today. I will not talk to others about this incident. And number four, I will not let this stand between us or hinder our personal relationships. Those are the four promises that God made to you and that we make to others that we're going to forgive. When I was pastor in, in Moriarty, uh, my associate pastor was the coach of a uh, little league baseball team. His boys were little bit little leaguers, and he was coaching their team. And he had a he had a little boy on the team whose dad came to the practices, and uh, Greg kept trying to to make friends with the dad, and the dad was real standoffish. He he was uh, uh, kind of leave me alone. I know you're a pastor, and I don't want anything to do with you. You know, push, pushing him away all the time. And Greg just kept being nice to him, and nice to him, and nice to him, and everything. And finally, the guy agreed to come to church. And he came to church, and you know, I don't remember what it was about that day, but when we gave the invitation, that young man was the first one down the aisle, gave his heart to Christ became a Christian, began to serve, you know, came to church all the time. It was, he was just a, it, it, was a tur- it was a turnaround experience. And one day, he, uh, he came to me, and he says, Pastor, he says, I, I need to talk to you. He says, I, I want to tell you something. And I said, okay, Reuben, come on in. What, what you got? And he says, when I was in high school, he went to um, West Mesa High School when he was in high school in Albuquerque. He says, there was a guy at school that uh, picked on me something ferocious. Uh, you know, I, I had to sneak into class. If he saw me coming to school, he, you know, he would just meet me in the, in the yard and he'd beat me up. It was, he says, it was awful. Uh, and I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I reported to the teachers, and they, they wouldn't do anything. And he says, it just got worse and worse. And finally, he says, I decided that I would take care of it myself. And I went into my dad's gun closet, and I took a pistol, 
and I hid it in my pants with my shirt over it and I went to school and that day when Pat, the other kid's name was Pat, when Pat began to approach me he says I reached behind me and pulled that pistol out and of course Pat went running and he says I took three shots at him as he was, he says and I was trying to hit him but I didn't know how to shoot the gun so I, I didn't hit anything he says but it was at the school and he says they closed down the school he says I, I immediately turned and left I went there was a he says there was a sprinkler box there I opened the sprinkler box put the gun in there and shut it and then went back to school and I left it there and they closed it down they closed the school down nobody told who had fired the shots they searched everybody the, all the lockers the whole school for the gun he says they never found the gun uh, they questioned me pretty thoroughly he says but I lied my teeth off you know they, they didn't catch me and uh, they were they were gone and he says late that night I snuck back to the school got my gun out of that thing and took it back put it in my dad's closet and nothing came of it until the next day at school he says the next day at school the janitor came up to me and says Reuben I think I know who fired that shot and Reuben was kind of taken aback and he says and I think I know why he fired that shot he says I want to make an offer to you he says how would you like to come and live with me and go to school at Highland High School instead of West Mesa and Reuben took him up on it and he moved to, he moved in with this guy which put him in a different school district he went to school at Highland uh, and he says I you know I graduated I you know I went on I got a good job he worked out at uh, Intel in Rio Rancho he had a good job I uh, was raised, raising his family um, and uh, he says and then you and Greg got involved in my life and I accepted Christ and I, I was starting to feel bad about what I had done when I was a kid. He said, last week at Intel, I was sitting at my desk and this guy comes walking up the hall. He was a vendor that had come in and I looked at him and he looked at me and I said, that's Pat. That's the guy I tried to kill when we were in high school. And Pat recognized him. He said, yeah, I hope you don't have your gun with you today, you know, that, that type of thing. And, and they, they just they got to talking. And uh, he asked Reuben about, about it, and, and Reuben said, you know, he, he said, a couple of years ago, he said, I'd have got it from here and we'd have had a fight. He said, but about a year and a half ago, uh, I met Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he says, Pat, I forgive you for trying to beat me up. Will you forgive me for trying to kill you? And Pat looked at Reuben and he said, Reuben, after you took that shot at me, I went home and the next Sunday I got up and went to church 
and accepted Christ as my Savior. And he went to, to a church over in Albuquerque, in West Albuquerque. Reuben went to our church, and they got to visiting with one another. They forgave one another. They loved one another. Uh, Pat came out to our church and shared that testimony. Reuben went to his church and uh, changed that testimony. Uh, one of my editors has written about it and put it in a book uh, that he wrote called Future Church, if you run across that. And it's, uh, it's all about two boys who made the stupidest choices you can imagine, <laughs> but accepted Christ and learned to forgive one another and forgive others for, for what they've done. They totally forgave one another and became brothers in Christ. And, and I'm thinking, you know, if, if I could forgive somebody who took a shot at me and tried to kill me, no matter if it was legitimate or not, I think I can forgive you for what you've done. And, and I, that wasn't personal, you understand. <laughs> I wasn't offering forgiveness. Uh, and that's just, um, that's the way God works. And now everything ugly between Reuben and Pat, you know, that, that had been there for 20 years, is gone. Thanks, first of all, to Jesus Christ. Second of all, to a janitor who instead of turning him in and saying, I know who did it, found a solution for him and made a difference in, in that boy's life. Forgiveness. Reuben's happy. Pat's happy. We can be happy when we forgive others. So who do you need to forgive? Who's messing up your life with a lack of forgiveness? Yeah, I know people who are as old as I am who are still mad at their parents about something. You know, if you can't forgive your parents, you're in trouble. Spouses, children. I know some people, some men, who are pastoring a church who are totally undone because they have a family member that they can't forgive or they have somebody that they can't forgive or a church member that they can't forgive so can you make promises I will not dwell on this I will not bring it up again I will not talk to others about it and I will not let it stand between us and hinder us in our relationship. I'll take down the barriers so we can forgive. That's a key to happiness. You need to learn how to adjust to change. You need to be, learn how to be useful to others. You need to know how to forgive. And there's two more, and you have to come back to get them. <laughs> okay? Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for your goodness.